0: Uh, all right hey uh we got uh what are we doing systematic saturday um i've just recorded half of this and realized it wasn't recording so we're doing it again hence my frustrated tone (laughs) whatever uh stay with us we're running the tape and then we'll do the thing again and not sound script and blah, blah 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 So, listen, um, I, my comments are lost, you know, they were, they were ad hoc, they were spontaneous, they were pure genius, I can't get them again. Nick hopefully yeah. can remember something of what he said, here we go, do it, Nick, we're talking about Revelation, <laughs> we're talking about Revelation.
1: Yeah, Revelation, yeah, so we're, we're trying to understand the book of Revelation, and um, you were sharing uh, the lost comments of Mike, was sharing about uh, your first experience, here's my first experience. Uh-huh. Um, about 10 or 11 years old, not a Christian. This guy, I think he was trying to evangelize me, said, you know, who would win in a fight, a lamb or a dragon? And mm-hmm. I'm like, of course, the dragon, you know. And uh, no, he's it's the lamb. And he pulls out Revelation 12, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Um, Revelation 12, verse 9 to 11. Mm-hmm. And I never forgot that. Mm-hmm. And so although the book, book of Revelation is a mystery to many people, um, it's a, a closed book in many ways. <clears throat> um God has given this book in order to be understood. So I thought I thought it would be helpful uh, just to look at Dennis Johnson mm-hmm. and what he uh, just some of the principles that he offers in terms of understanding the book. Yeah uh, you and I both read William Hendrickson more than conquerors uh-huh. loved it And uh, he's got nine nine propositions uh, that he suggests nine nine ways to read the book.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I see this Dennis Johnson's principles as a complement mm-hmm. to that.
0: Yes, excellent. So maybe
1: some other time we should open up Hendrickson and talk through that.
0: That's true. Yeah, good.
1: Yeah, so mm. uh, let, let me just rattle them off and we can discuss them as we go through. All right. So the first thing he says is this. Revelation is given to reveal. That sounds pretty obvious, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> It's been given in order to be understood. Yeah. And what he does is he, just, he, he looks at the first three verses and just listen to the emphasis on the fact that you should be getting something out of it. You should be hearing in order to be able to obey. Mm-hmm. So it begins, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Mm-hmm. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. But witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written Mm -hmm. for the time is near. Mm -hmm. And so the first point is this. The people of the first century were more familiar with the genre of apocalyptic literature, the particular genre that the book of Revelation is written in. And they would have had better grasp and understanding when they first heard it than we would hmm. so we've actually got to learn from them how to hear it yeah but um, the point is this it's not a futurist reading that we we need to indulge hmm. we need to accept that the first century people heard it understood it and were able to obey it
0: hmm. yeah that's good yeah. Um, and we were just saying I mean, I'm not going to go into this whole thing again but um, <laughs> you know one of the things about that is just that you know again what you see if you understand, um and this is uh, this is one of the reasons I mentioned Hendrickson before in that um, you know he's what he does in that more than conqueror's commentary, I think more than anything else um, is just show you the extreme uh, resonance everything uh, that John is saying in the Apocalypse has uh, with with everything in the Old Testament and it's just um, it's it. it really is it's not just that you're getting imagery like we 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 got um yesterday when reading through um that uh, proto-evangelium from james um rather what yeah. you have here is like this correct resonance with the old testament which gives it its power even for a new christian anyone who's read the old testament will feel that you just mentioned the primary example there in that you know you know that the the lamb defeats the dragon. You know, you know that, and yeah. um, and it's all like that. It's not some weird and wonderful crazy version of it. It's um, it's this, it's a symbolic bringing out of of the Old Testament truths. And, and that's you know again that would be very very encouraging to people who are about to go through difficult times who who year the Old Testament regularly and and have you know uh, have held on to that as their only hope in light of what Jesus has done so I think that's that's no, quite yeah. massive you know not a futurist thing again um, you know just to echo that yeah, point. yeah totally yeah
1: so I mean I don't know if we've mentioned the four words but you got your idealist reading your futurist reading your preterist <clears throat> reading and your historicist reading mm. So your historicist is your Puritan Uh who pegs down the book of Revelation between the first and second coming of Christ Uh and tries to match up the events with the uh, particular details of the book of Revelation, Uh usually seeing it as the Roman Catholic Church or the Roman Empire. The preterist reading is usually a first century fulfillment, Uh the fall of Jerusalem, the fall of the nation of Israel being the the climactic event that's being uh, recorded. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jerusalem would be seen as, as the whore that falls.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, mm-hmm. The, that's the that's the surprise attack of the Preterist view. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the Futurist, which is your uh, primal approach. But we're idealists mm-hmm. who, who believe in what we call a, a progressive parallelism to be the best way to understand the book.
0: Such a hard book. word to it's say. It's a
1: cycle of repeating.
0: Parallelism. <laughs>
1: yeah, so. but it's uh, the book the book is um, a cycle of repetitions so it's it's characterizing what happens in every age yeah in every church age we see the three enemies of the first beast uh-huh. which is persecuting governmental powers we see the second beast which is the lamb which speaks as a dragon's voice which is deceiving religious powers and then we have the uh, the horror of babylon which is seductive culture and materialism and <clears> so we have <throat> persecution deception and seduction is the, the unholy trinity mm. of the dragon um, that that works against the church.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. second principle that uh, John, Dennis Johnson gives us is this. the Revelation is a book to be seen. And mm. so, here he's obviously drawing on the visual language. Mm. Um, the book of Revelation is described as something that John saw. Mm-hmm. And so, the idea of the prophet seeing is used 52 times in the book. Wow. And he saw. Yeah. Okay. And so this indicates the book's genre, and it's a guide to a reading strategy. Hmm. The visible, visionary mode of the message is re-emphasized over and over again. Write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches. You know. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and so one of the key themes of Revelation is that things are not what they seem, and the symbols of events, characters, and trends and forces are graphically portrayed in a form. Of a flurry of images. Hmm. So just just think about some of the visual type of descriptions. The Jews are called a synagogue of Satan.
0: <clears throat> yeah, wow.
1: sardis has a reputation for life, but is dead. Hmm. Christians conquer the devil by being martyred. Yeah, the helpless hunted church is the victor and the conqueror. So these are graphic things. The, the seemingly invincible Rome, <clears throat> with its political, military, and religious and cultural prestige. Hmm. It itself will be judged. Yeah. A war between a slain lamb and his weak flock against the dragon and his impressive beasts and the prostitute. It's the lamb and the martyrs which overcome. Mm. So it's, it's, it's visual, and you need to see these pictures. Yeah. And, of course, just following the the whole visual thing, pictures are worth a thousand words. Mm. And um, they layer meanings in, in, in ways that you know are much quicker and intuitive than words can do. So if you just take one picture from the book of Revelation, think about that opening scene with the seven stars in Christ's right hand. Hmm. There's a picture. It's, it's, you would just see it in the blink of an eye. But what is that? If we had to stop and unpack that picture, what do we What do we? We, we would need to take at least a paragraph to <coughs> explain it, wouldn't we? Yeah. You know the stars. What do the stars represent? That would be what? Angels. Angels, right? Okay. And they're in His right hand.
0: All the past Yeah, things.
1: And uh, the fact that they're, the stars give light yeah exactly and there's and so all of a sudden just that quick glimpse that quick image is laden with meaning Mm. and this is the way the book of revelation is communicating its truth Mm. through these word pictures Mm. Um, and just sticking to the nature of the symbols themselves they're also paradoxical in nature Mm -hmm. revealing things that we can't see with the naked eye so Mm -hmm. here's here's an example Mm -hmm. that great city which to the naked eye is a mass of humanity and architecture is in fact a luxuriously dressed prostitute. Mm. So human culture is portrayed in the picture of a prostitute. And mm-hmm. automatically we have a statement, we have a, a judgment being made about this clump of humanity mm. through the picture of a prostitute. Yeah. Or uh, the seven kings of chapter <clears throat> 17, 9 and 10. The seven kings are the seven heads of the beast. Mm. And so there you have a, a, a paradoxical symbol, something, something that's almost alien, representing mm. something else. Or how about this? The righteous acts of the saints are the bride's wedding dress in 19 verse
0: 8. Mm.
1: Mm. So you've got to tune into the way in which the book of Revelation is revealing realities through paradoxical symbols. Yeah. Um, yeah that's and great. the book of Revelation does actually challenge you to understand those symbols, doesn't it? Let mm. him who has ears, let him hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what the spirit is saying to the churches yeah you know?
0: exactly that's good because I was about to say I mean you know the goal there is not to just simply you know read see and imagine whatever would come to your mind at that point but to really piece together what what would be said in light of the story that uh, you know thus far in the Old Testament and even the gospel accounts um, which I think you know just everything you've said there you, know, you could totally piece that together you know it's not it's not foreign at all. Um, but you have to do no. some thinking. You have, to, you have to slow down. You have to <clears throat> let it resonate and uh, consider what it could be saying.
1: Yeah. And so just, just carrying on with the symbols, they, they are complex. Yeah. And cool. so sometimes you have one thing being represented <clears throat> in two different ways. Mm. And this is one of my favorite ways of understanding the book of Revelation. Three times John hears something, but when the thing arrives, he sees something different. Right. So, for example, John hears a voice says, the lion of the tribe of Judah, but then when Christ actually appears, he doesn't appear as a lion, he 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 appears as a slain lamb.
0: Yeah, wow. And so awesome. you have this
1: double reality being, you know, it's a single reality being explained in a double way. Mm, mm. Or uh, the people of God are heard to be counted as 144,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel, but when the people of God are revealed, they're a multitude without number. Mm. So these are complementary descriptions of the same reality. Mm. And then uh, also, you know, we hear the bride of Christ coming down out of heaven, but when she's revealed, she's a city, the new Jerusalem. Mm. And so you need to tune into the way in which symbols are, a single reality is being made, is being portrayed in more than one way.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, wow. um
1: if you understand the visual nature of the way in which things are being revealed, it helps you. You become a lot more comfortable with it. You yeah. stop. You stop yeah. demanding uh, literal exactness from yeah. it, don't you?
0: Which which counters the point. You end up getting frustrated and you want to put it down because you can't understand it, which is you know not what's supposed to be happening there. Um, you know, you're meant to be, and to be the symbolism idea is meant to. It's almost like a. Uh, engineered form of, of, of meditation in that you can't not meditate on it. You know, it, that's what's so powerful about it. You, you know, if it's bringing you to think further and leading you to this this kind of, you know, it reminds me a little bit, of, a, a while ago I heard someone say that there's, this, you know, you've got in the Bible this kind of literature from the beginning that's designed not to give you answers up front so as to, you know, get, get you thinking about those answers by the time they're revealed you know you think of Cain and Abel and that in that story you know and you're just like what imagine reading that for the first time you're like what is going on there it's so weird and then and then it doesn't really resolve it you know and then it just keeps going and you have the the theme repeat and repeat and repeat and um and eventually you start figuring out and it's the only reason it becomes well it's be- because you uh, have been thinking about it even subliminally trying to figure out what's going on in these stories <laughs> you know when when it is revealed um, you know it just it just self-exposits in that sense and um, and so I think the book of Revelation is very similar in that you've got these symbols you can't you just read it through once you have to be thinking about what that could mean it's too bizarre to be literal and it's too yeah. it's too you know even what you've just quoted right there Um, you know, the way that even the symbol chops and changes, um, you know, showing that you can't even draw it, even if you wanted to draw it out and get a visual, you'd struggle, you know, so you must, you're forced to, to see the themes connect. And, uh, this is an automated sort of meditation process, which is awesome. Um, and and yeah, you meant to, you meant to come away going, all right, now I'm, you know, after this rich meditation on, on the Bible, you know, I'm I'm centered on the central message that the Lamb has overcome and, you know, rather than be derailed from that message.
1: Totally. Mm. And, I mean, the nature of the book of Revelation <clears> as symbol <throat> and as vision, basically we're we saying to the literalist approach, stop it. Yeah. Um, the yeah. medium of vision is also fluid and not standardized. Here's, yeah. here's a good example. So just think of the throne room scene in Revelation 4 and 5. Mm-hmm. You know, that throne appears stationary. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <clears throat> You know, it appears like an earthly king's throne room and there's the courtiers, the, the counselors all around. It's a it's a typical inside a, in a, inside a castle or a fortress type picture, isn't it? Yeah. With the king on his throne. Yeah. But when you go to the book of Ezekiel, the throne is on wheels. Wow. Why the difference? Because the, 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 the symbols are fluid. Yeah. They're, they're seeking to convey truths. They're not giving you a literal description. And mm. so, where in Ezekiel the throne is carried and is settled on wheels because God is saying to his people, I'm leaving the promised land and I'm going to Babylon to be with the, the exiles <laughs> yeah. departing out of the East Gate mm. in Ezekiel 10. Mm. The throne, you know, we, we don't take that picture literally. No. We, we recognize that it's given to portray truths. We don't try and force a standard <clears throat> on it and demand a literalness from it.
0: Yeah. We try and it-
1: take the point.
0: From yeah. symbols, And and that's not, you know, when you say don't take it literally, you're not saying don't take it seriously, which is, you know, if anything, you're saying it, take exactly. it really seriously, you know, to take it literally is really not to do justice to it, because it, you can't be literal about it. So you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're pulling the, the text to some substandard level at that point, take it really seriously, let it force you into what it's saying. And uh, yes, you know, just I'm thinking there of those who object to thinking, oh, you're just allegorizing the Bible, or you're just spiritualizing, and and uh, that's liberalism. And you know, it's not because because when liberal theology allegorizes and spiritualizes, and uh, you know, tries to contemporize. Uh, with their symbolism, I mean, they're not doing anything even close to what we're talking about here, which is allowing the Bible itself to interpret its own symbolism. And you're doing a very serious work in, in thinking that way, um, yes. you know, versus just just sort of like, hey, well, this is how this could possibly indicate some philosophical idea, you know. That's not that's not what you're saying, you know. So, anyways, I'm just, um, uh, you know, just aware the whole time. I'm even just walking the journey myself, you know, going from a from a really literalist uh, futurist approach um to an millennial approach it's quite a quite a you know um uh journey you have to go there to 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 get to that point but um what totally. i realized the whole way through is just i had been you know i mean you are not, you end up just creating a mockery out of what what it's what it's actually doing and you have to not be serious about the text to take it you know overly literally all the time so just keep that in mind you know like th- when you say i'm just talking to the readers now not you nick <laughs> you're good oh, yeah. i li- am talking yeah. to the listeners now um you know we, we, you know take it seriously is the idea um Amen. take it seriously yeah
1: yeah i mean you mentioned earlier that uh, the old testament is key to the uh, book of revelation and this is what uh, Dennis Johnson says, he says, Revelation makes sense only in light of the Old Testament. Yeah. He says, Book of Revelation is not only pervaded through with the Old Testament, but it mm. in fact consummates the many themes of the Old Testament. Mm, beautiful. So the Old Testament's not merely echoed, it's completed.
0: Yeah, great. By
1: the Book of Revelation.
0: Mm. The,
1: Book of, the Book of Revelation takes all the loose ends, all the strands, all the themes, and brings them into a beautiful bow and a happily ever after. Mm. Okay, it consummates yeah. the story of the Old Testament. It doesn't merely echo it. That's mm. a vital thing to understand. Yeah. And so as you read through the book of Revelation, you do have all these Old Testament links. Mm. We see that John's commissioning is similar to the prophets like Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. The beast of Revelation is a composite of Daniel's four beasts in Daniel 7. Mm-hmm. The two witnesses of Revelation 11 are the two olive branches of Zechariah. The judgments yeah. pronounced upon Babylon in chapter 18 echo those of Ezekiel on Tyre. Mm-hmm. Uh, The plagues of Egypt strike the church's persecutors. (laughs) The Song of Moses of Exodus 15 now becomes the Song of Moses and of the Lamb, Revelation 15.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, this is what Tennis Johnson says. He says, although exact Old Testament quotations in Revelation are rare, allusion to Old Testament imagery is everywhere. Elijah and his nemesis Jezebel. Mm -hmm. Balaam, the prophet who masterminded the seduction of Israel. God's temple, served by His kingdom of priests, offering incense. Prayers on the altar, from which fire of judgment falls, as on Sodom and Gomorrah. Israel, the Messiah's mother. Israel, the Lord's bride. Israel's twelve tribes, (laughs) armed for holy war. Mm -hmm. God's winepress of wrath. The water of life, offered free of charge. Jerusalem, the city of God. Yet God does not cut and paste Old Testament images unchanged into the texture of John's visions. While recognizable, they're modified and mm. recombined into new configurations, as mm. we would expect, mm. since the sacrifice and the resurrection of the Lamb have brought the warfare of the ages to a new phase in theater of operations. Mm. We dare not tackle the symbolism of Revelation without immersing our minds in the rich imagery of the Old Testament, but we also pay attention to the
0: transformation
1: that these pictures undergo mm. as they are used to express the impending climactic victory of the Kingdom of God and of His Christ.
0: You know, what so I really just like about beautifully that… beautifully summarized there by yeah, John that's amazing. That's so good. What I love about it, just in light of what we uh, read yesterday with uh, Father Friday, and uh, if you haven't heard that, just, you know, we, we read a s- sort of spurious, um, crazy, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone the needs to read it. Yeah, everyone yeah. needs to go check it out the Proto Evangelium of James. But, um, you know, one of the things, it's also, it just strikes me again and again, you've got this imagery that's interwoven into that. Um, the spurious letter, which is, um, again, it's laden with, with Old Testament imagery, but a, some of it obviously incorrect, you know, just the, the information itself, you know, we, we would not It's just an incorrect use of that information, let alone um, random,
1: random plagiarism,
0: random (laughs) plagiarism. Yeah. And even when, when there's some sense in which there might be a symbolism attached, it's it, the symbolism doesn't resonate with its original symbolism or at least intention. So it's just out of whack. It's laden with the old Testament, but what you said earlier, um, that, that uh, not only is the Old Testament key to the Book of Revelation, but Revelation consummates the themes of the Old Testament. I mean, that's exactly Amen. it. You get to, you, you know it unlocks biblical it. Biblical theology
1: bit, consummated.
0: Yeah, beautiful. You know, that's exactly the feeling you get when you when you go through the book and you you, you sort of open to this idea uh you're not just opening yourself to wild speculation it's you're opening yourself to the the finishing of those old testament themes in light of the gospel um which is always going to take you in a very uniform way to to, to a greater or less extent you know not saying that there's no debate on on minor points of symbolism but just that um, it, you know, you're never going to come away thinking, well, that was completely random as a compilation of ideas, you know? Um, yeah. You know, it's always going to be in sync with what you've already very clearly been taught um, in the Old Testament and then interpreted even and crystallized for you in the New Testament. But now it's almost driven home with this final glorious climactic sort of unveiling. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, it's, it's understandable. You understand your New Testament already, and now it's just moving you forward in that understanding.
1: Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So uh, just probably two more principles that he gives to us. The first is numbers count in Revelation,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. but uh, obviously not literally. (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, Numbers are very important, but they're representative. They're not, you know, literal. Yeah. And so the number seven representing Mm -hmm. the perfection of the original Mm -hmm. creation week Mm -hmm. is often a symbol of God's own perfection Mm -hmm. um, or the people of God. Mm Mm-hmm. Um the number twelve is often representative of God's people, the twelve mm-hmm, tribes. Mm-hmm. And so the the hundred and forty-four thousand, you know, these numbers have have meaning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But mm-hmm. uh they can't be taken literally.
0: No. No, they yep. can't. Yeah.
1: So one thousand years, sorry, man, we yeah. don't take it literally.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> Just
1: like the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to the Lord, but the cattle on one thousand and one doesn't. That's mm. that's the wrong wrong way to understand it.
0: Yeah or the Lord
1: blessing to the thousandth generation, but he doesn't bless the thousands in once, that's that's a wrong understanding.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and just in light of the fact that everything around that statement on a thousand years is totally symbolic. I mean, it's just crazy not to think that that itself would be symbolic too. So, yeah, you got obvious, obvious symbolism. No one takes it literally, you know. Um, So, yeah, Yeah. know, why would you all of a sudden lay hold of this thousand-year period? It's crazy to me.
1: Cool, and then the the last principle is this: Revelation is written for a church under attack. Mm. And I found this to be an incredibly helpful point. Yeah, you know, how do you? Uh, it, it, this point makes the book of Revelation the most encouraging book in the Bible. Yes,
0: Amen. Mm.
1: Okay, because the church is at war, but we win. Mm. <laughs> you know, the, the church's struggle is emphasized by the seven beatitudes that are found in the book. And yeah. so there are seven Beatitudes. I won't read them to you. You can track them down. Mm-hmm. But the blessings indicate the attacks upon the church, the attacks of persecution, false religion and seduction. And every church receives a promise to him who overcomes. Wow. And it just reminds you of your character. Of a, you're in a war. Mm-hmm. You've got these enemies raging against you. You've got the Lord's provision, but you've got this incredible hope that stands before you. Yeah. And so, the enemies of the church are the dragon with the seven seven heads indicating his cunning, as well as the beast that wages war with persecution, the second beast with false religion, the harlot with seduction. These would have been Rome's armies and political power at the time, the emperor Mm. worship and the paganism and the wealth and seduction of Roman culture at the time. But the call throughout the book is one of persevering witness, not a withdrawal from the world, but an imitation of Christ's faithful witness unto death. Mm. And so, the book of Revelation calls the Christian to die. Yeah. Come and die, come and follow Christ. You know the devil's coming to wage war upon you. God said He could come and die. Yeah, be faithful till the end, and I'll give you a crown. And so the book of Book of Revelation has the greatest encouragements and the greatest call to sacrifice and obedience. Mm. It's just it's just so powerful from that point of view. It's such a
0: I I think um, again it's so it's it's obviously reading it a certain way and admittedly you know i've made some interpretive decisions but for me to read the book of revelation and end up a post-millennialist is just weird or triumphalist you know Uh, the idea exactly what you were saying there is just very much in line with i think two age slash two kingdom slash uh you know just be aware of the paradox the theology of the cross i mean basically you're going to you're going to rule and reign. You're going to overcome, but through death. And, uh, and you know, the lamb uh, defeats the devil, but he does so through death. And it's just the paradox gets lost if you start thinking about this in terms of some sort of Constantinian Christendom that finally, you know, will rule and reign. Um, that's that's not what's being said here. You know, it, it's, it's preparing you for a really otherwise very bleak-looking... Um, End point, you know, if, if taken, you know, without without the gospel in view, um, mm. but but with the gospel it's in anti, view, it's, it's
1: anti it, and it's an anti prosperity book, isn't it? Oh,
0: true. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: listen, listen to our Dennis Johnson. I'll uh, this will be my closing comment here. He mm-hmm. says, "Our interpretation of revelation must be driven by the difference God intends it to make in the life of His people. If we could explain every phrase." identify every allusion to Old Testament scripture, or Greco-Roman society, if we could trace every interconnection and illuminate every mystery in this book, and yet we were silenced by the intimidation of public opinion, terrorized by the prospect of suffering, enticed by affluent Western culture's promise of security, comfort, and pleasure, then we would not have begun to understand the book of Revelation as God wants us to. Wow. That's what it's for.
0: There we go. It's a battle manual. Oh, Totally. Yeah, so to turn it into something that leads you into an excitedness about prosperity, you know, <laughs> it's just so, like, why would you, <laughs> how would you even get there? But, um, yeah, anyways, but not not to turn it into some weird polemic. I mean, that's a really awesome point to end off on. And, um, and yeah, just a, 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 something we need to read, right, like uh, more than ever. It's mm-hmm. not just first century. It's like, dude, we need to read this thing more than ever. Now, you know, we're in the enticement of the first world kind of... Um, deal you know and um well i suppose it's not everyone but certainly for us um this is a big thing along with i suppose threats of persecution but but it's that enticement factor that hey settle in the year and now buy into babylon you know um that mm. this book is just warning you against um constantly Amen. yeah so there we go uh, book of revelation um this is not a sermon though nick this is not a sermon. <laughs> Sorry, have I been preaching? No, I'm um, just. Uh, it w- it would have been a good sermon if you were preaching it, but yeah. um, it's not. But
1: the, the best place to hear a sermon, Mike.
0: Yes, where is, is it that at church? At church. Yeah, that's it's great. At so th- you should <laughs> go to church if that's you're gonna. Um, uh, I don't know if you're gonna actually do what the Book of Revelation tells you to do. There we go. Um, right. yeah, so, right. hopefully, you can get to church tomorrow. If, if we're actually preaching through Revelation Cody's taking Revelation little bit by little bit and uh, uh, so we're not wow. doing that on on, the, uh, on Sunday or the, tomorrow but um, man wouldn't be cool if you're going to hear Revelation tomorrow that'd be great but otherwise uh, whatever I mean look it's all coming out of this biblical story so piece it together in light of what we said here and uh, that'll no doubt serve to um, add to that encouragement um, but trust you have a good Lord's Day uh, take it mm-hmm. easy enter into that Foretaste of Sabbath rest. I look forward mm-hmm. to the coming of Jesus and uh, we'll catch you, um, Lord willing, yeah. on the next, next week. round. Amen. Cool. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it.
1: Cool, man. Cheers. Bye.